0: Many of us know what it's like to wait for something for a long period of time. Perhaps waiting to drive, or waiting to graduate, or waiting to get married. It's difficult to wait. However, usually there is preparation that's associated with waiting. We practice before we actually get our driver's license. We take numerous courses and learn much before we graduate. We pray, plan and get to know each other much better as we anticipate and look forward to marriage. Well, this morning, the day has finally come for David to be king over all Israel, a long-awaited time. However, that long wait was purposeful. It was important. God was preparing David to become king over Israel. This morning, our theme is that David is a shepherd king the key verse is second samuel chapter 5 verse 2 which reads in times past when Saul was king over us it was you who led us out and brought us in israel and the lord said to you you shall be shepherd of my people israel and you shall be prince over israel it only makes sense for the people to make david as king He came not by military force, he became king by the will of the people and ultimately by the will of God. The first thing we want to note this morning is that David became king by the will of the people. There were three reasons that eventually all Israel joined together to support David as their king. The first was the people supported David as king because David was one of them. Verse 1 it reads, and all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. There's a pragmatic element to this simple statement, and that is that, as I said, David was one of them. He was a family member. He was related to all the children of Israel. However, there was more than just pragmatism to that statement, for there was a spiritual truth that was connected with it. God had stated in the book of Deuteronomy that anyone who was to be a king over Israel was to be a brother of an Israelite. He himself could not be a foreigner. Deuteronomy 17.15 states, You may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you, who is not your brother. So this was also a qualification of scripture that David met, and they recognized that. But next, and most importantly, the people of Israel supported David as king because of David's past leadership. If you look at verse 2, it reads, In time past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. The phrase to lead out and bring in is referring to David's leadership of the army and his literally leading the army into battle. In 1 Samuel 18, verse 13, it says, Saul removed him, that is David, from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. So David became the military leader. He became the face of Israel, as it were. And it was that David's personal leadership in battle that really endeared him to the people. 1 Samuel 18, 16, it says Paul, Israel, and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before him. It was this personal leadership in battle that won the hearts of the people. Saul, by this time, is not going to battle. Saul's the king, and it was up to the king to lead the army into battle, but Saul had abdicated his responsibilities and had given them to David, and the people loved David for it. And then there was David's compassion, that he loved and showed love to those that were his enemies, those that had even sought to keep him from being king. Saul, Abner, and Ishbosheth, the way in which David responded to their deaths and had no part in their deaths again endeared him to the people. Second Samuel chapter three verse thirty-five reads, Then all the people came to persuade David to eat and bread while it was yet day, for David is mourning over the death of Abner. But David swore, saying, "God do so to me and more also, if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down." And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as everything that the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's will to put to death Abner, the son of Ner. So David had shown the kind of leader that he was going to be. The people of Israel support David as king because God chose David to be the shepherd king in verse 2. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And now these words, And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. God had chosen David to be king, And that choice of David was common knowledge. Abigail had directly alluded to God's choice of David as king in 1 Samuel 25, verse 30. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel. Abner, if you remember the one that was the leader of Ishbosheth's army, that uh, initially was rebelling against David, Abner also knew that God had chosen David to be king over Israel. Second Samuel 3,
1: 9. Uh,
0: God do so to Abner and more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him. And now the elders allude to God's choice of David as king over Israel in verse 2. But it was not simply God's choice of David as king, but the kind of king that David would be is what is stressed. And that's really what I want to emphasize this morning. The kind of king that God had called David to be. Note how David's kingship is described. He's first and foremost described as a shepherd in verse 2. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel, as the Lord said to you. And now these words, you shall be shepherd of my people Israel, followed with, and you shall be prince over Israel. So he's going to be a prince. But as a prince, first and foremost, he's going to be a shepherd. This is very different from Saul's kingship and the kings of those around about Israel. If you remember, initially, when the people asked for a king, they said, we want a king like the nations round about us, who will go out and come in before us. And God warned them about the nations that are around about them, the kind of kings that they were, how they were self-serving, self-seeking, and how they glorified themselves and were making slaves of their own people. They said, nevertheless, we want a king. But David was not to be that kind of king. He was to be a shepherd king. It speaks of the type of rule that he was to demonstrate. He was to be tender. He was to be a leader that had true concern and care for the people. The scripture makes a big deal out of the fact that David was a shepherd. It was no accident that David was a shepherd from his youth. If You remember certain accounts. First of all, remember that when David was first anointed as the future king by Samuel, he had to be brought in from shepherding his father's sheep. Listen to 1 Samuel 16, 11. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, He's keeping the sheep. So when he's anointed as king, he is keeping the sheep. In the Goliath narrative, David's being a shepherd is alluded to time and time again. It informs us that at the time of the battle, David is tending his father's sheep. 1 Samuel 17, 14, David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. So David is traveling back and forth during those 40 days that the battle is going on in order to feed his father's sheep. The scripture tells us that David left the sheep to go to battle as a result of the father's command, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and following. And Jesse said to David, his son, take your brothers and Ephaph of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elo were fighting the Philistines. It informs us that David made provision for the sheep before he left. 1 Samuel 17:20. And David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the provisions and went. So even as David is off on this important mission, he makes sure that the sheep are going to be well cared for in his absence. It informs us that when David is wandering, wondering why no one is willing to fight Goliath, that Eli, his brother, seeks to find fault with David and the way that he cared for the sheep. At this point, Goliath has been coming out each day and defying the nation and the army of Israel and evoking someone to come and fight him. David's amazed that no one has been willing to fight Goliath. And he asks, why not? And it really ticks uh, Eliab off. And so, in his disgust, Eliab says, after he had heard what David had said, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those sheep, those few sheep in the wilderness? Why are you here? Why aren't you back taking care of those few, misly sheep? It's Interesting that he despised what David was doing, saw it as unimportant, and ridiculed him for the few sheep it was that he watched over. It informs us that David's experience as a shepherd prepared him for battle against Goliath. When David volunteers to fight Goliath, Saul's kind of amazed. He sees him as a puny young man and wonders how in the world he is going to be able to do battle against Goliath. 1 Samuel 17.33 And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep. Or his father and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock i went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth and he arose against me i caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised philistine will be like one of them for he has defiled the enemies of the living god and david said the lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear and delivered me out of the hand of the philistine And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So all of these allusions to David being a shepherd. And lest you think that I am making too much of this, I want you to listen to Psalm 78. It's a psalm of Asaph, and it says this. Psalm 78, starting at verse 70. He chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from the nursing ewes. He brought him to shepherd Jacob his people, Israel his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. So the scriptures allude, they make reference to the fact that God had brought him up from the sheepfolds, in order to shepherd God's people. Now, why is this so important? Why is this relevant to us? Well, the answer is because David's kingship was to be reflective, illustrative, in keeping with God's own kingship the way in which God rules over us, the way in which Christ as king rules over us. It is prophesied in the scriptures that God would shepherd his sheep. In Ezekiel chapter 34, it reads, for Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. The mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pastures shall they feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. And I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them. Injustice. Now, in that very same chapter in Ezekiel 34, it's revealed that the one of whom he is speaking is Christ. But even more, it reveals that this
1: Christ is going to be like
0: his servant David. Ezekiel 34, 23, And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. But he's referring to Christ. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them like their shepherd. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. <clears throat> okay, so here is this referring to Christ. You Get to the New Testament. And... At the birth of Jesus, an angel is sent uh, to uh, Mary and says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. You're going to see in a few weeks that David is promised that from his lineage is going to come the Messiah. From his lineage is going to come the Savior. And indeed, the Savior who is Jesus is born. And he's going to be a king. And he's going to sit on David's throne.
1: Christ is the
0: ultimate shepherd ruler. In Matthew chapter 2, the wise men are looking for Jesus. And so they are asking, where is Jesus? Herod hears of the wise men looking for Jesus. And so Herod asks the Jewish leaders where Jesus was to be born. We read in Matthew 2 Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judah, in days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Where is he who's to be born, king of the Jews? And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the chief Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and then they quote the Old Testament, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Jesus said of himself when he described his rule over his people by saying, I am the good shepherd.
1: The good shepherd lays down his life
0: for the sheep. He's describing the tender care, the provision, the way in which he will watch over. His flock, watch over his sheep.
1: We find in the scripture that all
0: leadership is to be exercised as a shepherding leadership. All leadership is to reflect this care, provision, watching over flock of God. It is so different from this autocratic kind of leadership that we become so accustomed to in which the people serve the ruler but rather the ruler serves the people and more than just serves them, nurtures them, cares for them, provides for them, watches over them, protects them. Jesus said to Simon Peter after Jesus' resurrection after Simon had denied Jesus three times Jesus said to Peter do you love me? and in John 21 17 he said to him the third time Simon son of John uh, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time do you love me? and he said Lord you know everything, you know that I love you Jesus said to him, feed my sheep.
1: Feed my sheep. Elders
0: are called to shepherd God's flock. When the scriptures talk about the leadership that elders are to exercise in the church, again, they are called shepherds, and they are to shepherd the people. The first instance is Paul, as he summons the Ephesian elders to gather with him at Miletus as he's passing through. The elders come from Ephesus to meet with Paul, and he says in Acts 20:28, 20, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to chair for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood
1: your overseers. Care for the flock.
0: Peter exhorts the elders to shepherd the flock, even as Christ shepherds us. 1 Peter 5, 1 and following. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those you charge, but being examples to the flock. Now these important words, and when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the unfading crown of glory. So, Peter says that the elders shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to them, realizing that they are going to have to give account to the chief shepherd, the one that
1: they serve, Jesus, a
0: shepherd, a shepherd. So, this beginning of David's reign is absolutely essential for us to understand that he is to shepherd the nation of Israel. So David is established as king over Israel, verses 3, 4, and 5. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and king David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel. And David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 40 years. Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. According to Peter Lang's commentary, he says this about David's being 30 years of age, and I quote, The age of David of 30 years shows that the events narrated from 1 Samuel 13 to the end of the book did not occupy more than 10 years. Four years in Saul's service, four years of wandering, one year and four months among the Philistines, and a few months after Saul's death. At the age of 30,
1: David becomes king. Ultimately, finally, over the whole nation. I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus began his earthly ministry at the age of 30. David was to reflect the ministry and work of Jesus in the way in which he ruled
0: over the people. Conclusion. David had to go through a great deal in order to prepare him to be a king. A large part of that preparation
1: was that David was a shepherd. God was using those
0: experiences to prepare David to shepherd the nation of Israel. Now here's another interesting thought Moses. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. And you probably know the story of how he was rescued from the Nile River and how Pharaoh's daughter took him out of the water and raised, her, raised him as her own and cared for him, et cetera, et cetera. even though Pharaoh had decreed that every male Israelite should die. God preserved his life. God gave him an incredible experience. He grew up in a palace, learned the language, knew how it functioned, all those things. And Many times people just focus on the unique way that God had prepared Dave, uh, Moses for delivering the children of Israel out of the uh, land of Egypt into the Promised Land by bringing them up into the palace. And I think there's a great deal of truth to that. A great deal of truth to that.
1: But you know, that's not where it ends.
0: Remember the story... Uh, Moses goes out one day and sees an, an Egyptian that is mistreating an Israelite and he kills that Egyptian. It's found out. And Moses flees. And he flees to the
1: wilderness. And he's in the wilderness for 40 years. Remember what he's doing there? For 40 years. Exodus 3.1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. For 40 years, he was a shepherd. The staff that he struck the rock with was a shepherd's staff. And it was one of the reasons that God was so angry at David for smiting the rock. For it misrepresented who God is. It misrepresented a shepherd.
0: That's not how a shepherd feeds his sheep. David, the shepherd king. May God give us shepherding hearts in the exercise of our duties and our responsibilities. In any way in which we care, for others. May we do so humbly and meekly. May we do so out of a spirit that is concerned for their well-being and not be for our own benefit or our own aggrandizement. Jesus, of course, is the perfect shepherd king. And all leadership is to be reflective of that shepherd king, the one that one day we will stand before and give account. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus shepherds us. We thank you for his wonderful, kind, benevolent care. We are grateful, Lord, for his meekness, his lowliness. We thank you, O God, that his care of us is constant. And he is the ultimate shepherd. He is the good shepherd. David risked his life for the sheep. He fought a bear, he fought a lion in order to protect sheep. Sheep! And he risked his life.
1: But Jesus gave his life. Jesus willingly died for the sheep. Thank you, Lord,
0: for being our shepherd and dying for us that we could have the forgiveness of sins and enjoy peace with you forever. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.